Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. I still, after almost 33 years, Tuesday, 33, just so you know, after 33 years, I will admit, and not even ashamedly, that I am still afraid of the dark. Anybody else? Come on, no one? Guess Thank you, Noah. Thank you. Solidarity, okay? We are afraid of the dark. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not completely afraid of the dark, only sometimes. I remember as a kid, though, I lived in western Massachusetts, and uh, we had this creepy basement. I think most of us, maybe not in the Cape as much, but people have creepy basements, and and my dad would be like, get some paper towels downstairs, or go downstairs and get some more whatever. And I'd go down the, these creepy stairs, and even with the lights on, you know, you have to, like, turn the light on. It's just, like, colder down there. It's a little moist. It's just, like, you know, noises. And I was, and then when I'm running back up the stairs, and I'm telling you, I don't care if you act like this isn't you. All of us have done this, okay? As I'm, like, getting the stuff downstairs, as I'm going up the stairs, for some reason, I'm just automatically assuming that behind me in my basement there is some creature, killer, murderer, witch, I don't know, something is trying to chase me up the stairs, so I'm jumping like seven stairs trying to get to the top before I die. Now that I'm an adult and a father, I want to scare my children as much as possible. Um, You say, well, you're terrible. Okay, that's fine. You do it too. Um, If I can scare my kids... I will happily do that, whether it's, you know, lock them in the pantry for two minutes just for fun. No, I don't do that. But, but like, what was it last night? Oh, if they're, like, in their room, like, hanging out quietly, I'm that dad that, like, kind of quietly gets to the door and then just shouts, like, right at the door, and they all jump up, and I just, I love that. Uh, I was a youth pastor for seven years, so I, it was, like, part of my job to, to scare and frustrate teenagers. So I'm trying to start young with my kids. Um, Charlie, last night, we went to take out the trash, and, um, you know, we live, we live, um, in a winter rental right now down Barry, and uh, it's right by the water. So back there at night, it's extremely dark. There's like no street lights out there. And uh, so I purposely turned off all the porch lights as we're getting ready to take the garbage out. And I'm like, come on, Charlie, we'll go take the trash out. And you could tell, I could tell, even when he's with me, he's still kind of like, oh man, what's going on out here? So I like throw the bag in and try to run back to the house first. And he's just like, ah, that. that's just, I love that. The dark, though, can be a very scary place, especially for kids. Some adults, me once in a while, if I go back to my house in Holyoke to the basement, I'm going to bring my wife with me because I'm like, I'm not going alone. Uh, I'm just like home alone. Come on, Kevin McAllister, the basement, the heater, that's kind of me. That's who I am. The dark can be a scary place. Um, you don't know what's going on. You can't see what's going on. Anybody ever hit their knee on like the coffee table, walking in the dark at night or stub your toe? We've all been there. Thank you, Darren. We've all been there. It can be a scary place. What does, what does darkness do? Darkness hides what's there. You can't really see it. You're trying to feel your way through because you can't see. Darkness can often bring fear. You know, listen, being in my basement may not be the scariest thing, but if I'm in the middle of the woods by myself in the middle of the night, I don't care who you are, most of us are going to be pretty freaked out. Darkness allows for things that can't happen in light, in daytime. That's why most of the most crimes, yes, they happen during the day, but most of them happen at nighttime because there's less to be seen, you can hide easier, all those things. Darkness does a lot. In church, can I tell you this morning, it's important to recognize, it's important to remember that this world that we live in is living in darkness. It's living in darkness. Our country, this world, there's so many problems, and oftentimes we don't even recognize it. We don't even 
see it. We live in a culture. We live in a, in a culture that breeds fear and breeds anxiety. Things happening around us that we never thought would. I just read the news article this morning. It's so sad. When I was growing up, I grew up in the 90s, and, and one of the you know, popular singers was Aaron Carter. Anybody remember the name Aaron Carter? You know, I want candy, that song. And he was like this like tween, pop, fun. And you know what? Little did I know, I haven't heard that name in years. He killed himself this past week. Had so much mental health and mental illness and just struggling so much and drug abuse and all these things and, and just so much. And listen, we, we, don't even, we don't even understand how dark our world is. We like to kind of hide in our little area and just keep things. But we live in a dark world. Beyond just the world, even in our personal lives, many of us are living in darkness. We try to act like we have it all together. We want to put on this front, put on this show, like we have no issues at all, no weaknesses. I'm, I got it. I can take care of myself. I got nothing to worry about. We wear these big smiles, hiding a world of pain and darkness on the inside. Many of us live that life. We live in darkness. Last week's message, we've been going through the Gospel of John, and uh, we finished up chapter 7 two weeks ago, started chapter 8 last week. And what, what was the story, what was the passage last week in John Chapter 8, the beginning was when Jesus is teaching a group of people there in the synagogue. And he's there and he's teaching and they're listening to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, these religious uh, uh, hypocrites, uh, bring this woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And they bring her to Jesus, throw her down in front of him and say, Hey, what are you going to do? The law says that she should be killed for her sins, for her crimes. What do you say, Jesus? And we see Jesus says, uh, he who is without sin cast the first stone. A beautiful uh, picture. Jesus, yes, Jesus judged everybody in this passage, but he didn't condemn. That's the difference there. She, he, they all walk away. They throw their stones down and leave, and it's Jesus and this woman caught in sin. And he says, where are all your accusers? Where'd they go? She said, they're all gone. And he, and she said, he, said, she, he said, did any of them con condemn you? Who condemned you? And she said, no one. He said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, we mentioned at the end of the message last week that after this occurrence, after this beautiful story of grace we see in the ministry of Jesus in John chapter 8, the group of people that he was originally teaching are still there. They're still there. He was preaching to a crowd before all that happened, and they're still there. So we're going to see what he says next, what Jesus says next. That's John chapter 8, and that, if you have the John and Romans, you just go to chapter 8. And we're going to be starting in verse 12. If you don't have either, the verses, the scripture should be on the screen. And we're going to read a bunch this morning, kind of give you some context of where we're at, and then make some application for us today. John chapter 8, verse 12. Remember, Jesus is here with this original group of people. They had just witnessed this situation with the woman caught in sin, and the uh, Pharisees trying to get her uh, killed, and all these things, and trying to trap Jesus. We saw all that happen, and here we are. Jesus began, it said in verse 12, then spake Jesus again. Again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Jesus is telling them, he, he says to this group of people, I'm the light of the world. Uh, uh, if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. You'll have light that leads to life. And the Pharisees say, how can you say that? They're saying, you're just talking about yourself. That can't be true. 
You're the only one bearing testimony of yourself, and, and so it can't be true. And Jesus says, well, I, yes, I am speaking about myself, and it is true. He said, but you don't even know where I come from. Jesus had all through his ministry up to this point, we've seen it so many times over the last few months of messages, Jesus continually telling the Pharisees and telling the people that he was sent from God on a mission to be the Messiah. He was the Messiah. He had told them countless times, and every time they dismissed it. They didn't get it. He says, you don't even know where I come from. Even though I've told you that I'm sent from God, that I'm here for a purpose, you don't see it. You don't get it. Verse number 15. He says, ye judge after the flesh, but I judge no man. He's saying, you judge just like every other, everyone else does. He says, but I don't, I don't do that. And yet if I judge, verse 16, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. Again, he tells them again. He's sent from God the Father. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. This is old Hebrew law that says if two people share a testimony, share a, a fact that it's true. And Jesus says in verse 18, I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Verse 19, then said they unto him, where is thy father? Jesus answered, ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Jesus said things that often really irritated these religious zealots, these Pharisees. Things like that God was his father, that he was sent from God. He's doing this in the temple right now. And we see that because of, it wasn't yet his time to be arrested and put on the cross, it says that no one touched him. Even though he was saying these to them, to these Pharisees, these outrageous things. How could anybody say this? It was true. They didn't, they didn't touch him. Verse 21, then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, he saith whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath, and I am from above. Ye are of this world, and I am not of this world. I said, therefore, unto you that ye shall die in your sins. Okay, I'm going to switch to the next slide here. Verse, uh, verse 25, almost 24. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Verse 25. Then said they unto him, who art thou? By the way, can we just pause? Jesus had told them so many times who he was. And he just wasn't, they weren't listening. They didn't want to believe that this guy, this poor carpenter's son, who's just loving people and, and helping people and performing these amazing miracles and preaching the God. They just didn't want to believe that this guy is the Messiah. Because think about it, these Pharisees, these religious zealots who thought they had it all together, they expected the Messiah to be just like them, to have all these extra laws and, and kind of judge people. And they're thinking, this guy can't be it because if he's the Messiah, then we look really, really bad. And they would not believe it. They said, who art thou? Even after you've told them a thousand times. And by the way, Oftentimes in our lives, we may stand up and sing. There's a new name written down on glory, and it's mine. And what a beautiful name and powerful name it is. And oh, I'm so glad I have Jesus in my heart. And I'm so glad that Jesus leads me in my life. We may say all those things, but no, we do. We often walk through this world in fear and anxiety and stress. And we get so upset when our plans go awry. We get so upset when our plans don't come to fruition like we thought they would. We say, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this season? Why, why didn't this work out the way I wanted it to work out, the way I planned it? And Jesus has said, hey, I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm not going to leave you. I'm taking care of things. I'm in control. And still, we hate giving up control. So we can be just as bad as these Pharisees that say, who art thou? Who are you? Even though he told them a thousand times. 
Verse number 25, they said, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. He says, I've already told you this. Verse 26. And we're moving through these verses so we can get to the application. Jesus says, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Again, they're missing it. Then said Jesus in verse 28 unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. He's pointing towards the crucifixion. And remember on the cross, when he's up there, what does the soldier say? He says, this, this, true, this was a son of God. Verse 29, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. So we go through this passage, we see again Jesus speaking to the people, and as he's teaching the people, these Pharisees, these religious zealots, these religious hypocrites, are continually trying to trap him and trick him and, and, and accuse him and ask him questions and trying to trap him with their words. And he just answers them, I've already told you who I am. And they're just not getting it. They're missing it. They're missing it. As We're going to continue the dialogue next week and the, the messages uh, to come over the next few weeks. And Jesus is getting ready to say something absolutely outraged to these people to the point of when they pick up stones to kill him. We're not going to go there yet. But Jesus is preparing himself and trying to say, like, I, I, I'm sent from God. I am God. I was here before the foundation of the world. I'm the guy. And they're just not getting it. He's saying many of the same things that he has said through his entire ministry up to this point. Sent from God, on a mission, purpose from God, all these things. And just like every other time, the Pharisees missed it and they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear the truth. Just like us often. Just like us, we don't like to hear the truth about ourselves. We have this inner defense lawyer when someone accuses us of something or when someone comes to us with a criticism or, or a problem and we just automatically in our hearts begin this def de defense of like, oh, that couldn't be me. No, you misunderstood me. And we have all these things. We don't like to hear the truth oftentimes. So what is the main point of this that Jesus is trying to make in this passage? He says a lot here. He's questioned, he's accused. What is the main point? I believe we see the main point, and this is where we're going to draw the rest of the message from this morning as we get ready to finish up in the next few minutes. The main point, I believe, is found in verse 12. Really, his first, once he begins to speak, after this woman is not condemned, but sent on her way in grace and in freedom, Jesus begins to speak to people again. He says in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Follow me and you won't be walking in the dark. You will have the light that gives life. I believe that Jesus throughout his entire ministry is continually pointing to himself as the answer that they are searching for. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And they just don't see it. There's three things I want to share with you this morning and then we're going to be done. It's not going to be long tonight. We'll, we'll be done probably before 11 o'clock, Lord willing. In the next 10, 12 minutes. Jesus says some things in this, in, this, uh, in this one verse. Just three things that I think we can apply in our own lives. He says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. How does the message of Jesus Christ, how does Jesus Christ, the Messiah, for us, 2022, in our lives now, in our relationships now, 
In our situation now, how does this truth from God, how does this message from Jesus apply to us? If you decide to follow Jesus, if you decide to give your heart to Jesus, if you decide to live your life for Jesus, dependent upon Jesus, he said, you will not walk in darkness. We don't have to walk in darkness. We talked about darkness at the beginning of the message. When we're, when we're in darkness, physical, actual darkness, we can't see what's in front of us. We don't know what's going on. We, we don't know which way to go. We don't know which way to turn. We don't know what's in front of us that's going to hurt us or injure us. And in a spiritual sense, in our lives, when we decide to follow Jesus, when we decide to, to, to trust in him and let him be the light of our life, we will have peace in the midst of a dark world. We will have hope in the midst of a hopeless world, in the midst of our sometimes hopeless situations, because he is the light. We will have joy in times of sorrow. That doesn't mean we won't be sad or have tears or, or, or have sorrow in our hearts, but beyond it all, the foundation of our hearts will be Jesus Christ in his light that brings joy. We will have guidance in our lives. Every one of us has probably been in situations where we just don't know what to do. I know I have. A couple months ago, when I, we didn't know where we were going to be living. We had no, our, our house was getting ready to be put on the market. We had to be out by a certain time. And, and two weeks before, we didn't know where we were going to be staying. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. You've got to help because I got kids and we need somewhere to live. And guess what? The, through the grace of God and through the light of Jesus Christ, he provided, he guided, he showed. Listen, I had to push away anxiety. I had to push away fear and, and, and all those things and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you to take care of us. I wish I had done it sooner. But he, we, listen, when we follow Christ, when we allow his light to shine in our lives, we don't have to walk in darkness. Does that mean we'll always have the answer? No. But the truth is, we don't always have to have the answer. We just have to trust in him. He'll bring the answer in his time. We don't have to walk in darkness. Why, number two, not just we don't have to walk in darkness, but the flip side of that is that we have the light. It's not a maybe. He said, listen, he said, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. It's not a maybe. It's a guarantee. We are people of worry. We are people of worry. If you're a parent, we worry about our kids, their futures, their present. If maybe you're not, but we worry, about, we worry about our past, some of us. Things that happened to us, things that we went through, affecting us now. We worry about the future. How are we going to do this? How are we going to get a house? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get a better job? How am I going to pay these? We worry. We worry as a pastor. What's going to happen to our church? You know, what, what's going to, how, are we, how are we going to grow? How are, we going to, how are we going to function? All these different things. We have worry. We are people of worry. And Jesus said, I'm the light. And if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness, but you'll have the light. You'll have the answer. You'll have uh, the hope and peace and joy that you crave and seek from everything else. We have the light when we decide to follow Jesus. And even better than that, continuing right with the phrase, he says, you'll have the light of life. You'll have the light that gives life. The light that leads to life. It's not just about possessing something. It's about having something that leads to life. Every human being on earth, even, even without realizing it, we are searching for life. We're ser- and I'm not talking about physical life being alive. I'm talking about spiritual, emotional life. Joy. We seek for it. Praise God 
through Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. The scriptures say, for God so loved the world, in John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8, God commendeth his love toward us. He showed his love to us, and that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank God that the light of the world, Jesus Christ, gives us Gives us eternal life when we trust in him. But even beyond that, beyond that miracle, Jesus doesn't want to just give us eternal life and then the rest of our lives here on earth we just kind of fend for ourselves. No, he wants to give you, he wants to give me abundant life now. You know what we do often as Christians and how I lived for so many years? I was grateful for salvation. I have a home in heaven. Hallelujah, one day when I die, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. Glory to God, that's exciting. And then I try to live my life on this earth all by myself and tried so hard to live right, to do right, to help others, all in my own strength and power. And I'm telling you, it was and is exhausting. It's exhausting. That's what leads to burnout, where you just say, I can't do this anymore. He wants to give you eternal life. That is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am am the way. Darkness will rule over you. The enemy is, is, is no fool. We can talk about Jesus and we will. We'll glorify and worship his name, but we can't ignore the fact that we have an enemy. You have an enemy that wants to destroy your life, destroy your future, destroy your kids, destroy you entirely and mess up your life. If he can cause you to depend on anything else but Jesus, he's done his job. He is on the attack constantly. Why do you think so often I talk about the importance of being here at church on Sundays at 10 a.m.? Because I know that gospel community is what we need. If the enemy can keep us from this place, man, he's going to continually push us away and cause us to depend upon ourselves. And self-dependence always leads to self-destruction. We need each other. You need this place. Beyond this place, yes, you need Jesus, number one. But God, Jesus died for the church. It's important for you to be committed to this church, to committed to this place, because you need it. I need it. Listen, he is the light. He is the way. Listen, this place is a place where Jesus is glorified, where he's worshipped, like we did this morning, where we can relate to one another in the strength of Jesus over our weaknesses. We are all weak. Just because I'm standing up here means nothing. I'm just as weak as any of us. We live in weakness. We have an enemy. Life is hard. Life is brutal sometimes. We, you, you have to listen to why it's so important to be here so that you can know that you're not alone in this fight. You're not alone in this world of darkness. We can depend on the Savior together. But we search for life in everything else. Can I give you one last thought before we dismiss and before we pray? You will never turn any created thing into your personal Messiah. There is one true Messiah and life can only be found in him. I wish that I could say that I never look for life where it can't be found, but the temptation to do so, to do so still is in my life. As much as we know that there's only one true God, we often, church, often hunt for God replacements. We still tend to look horizontally for what can only be found vertically. 
We look for peace. We look for joys. We often ask the creation uh, to be our savior. Whether it's uh, we attach our identity to the respect of another. Or we, we draw uh, too much of our sense of well-being from how we look and our physical appearance. We, we think material possessions and how much we can get uh, have the power to make us happy. In church, we know that that's not true. We attach our meaning and our purpose to our achievements. Which is why when we fail, we're so miserable. We ask our jobs to make us content. We try to base our identity on our children. We attach our sense of spiritual well-being to being at the perfect church. And this is not a perfect church. We base our identity on our education. We ask our spouses to make us happy. So when they mess up, we're like, man, you're not fulfilling what I need. We say, uh, if I only had this, then my life would be this. We search for what, in everything else, for what only Jesus can give us. The list is endless. There's nothing in creation that you can't try to turn into your personal Messiah, but it never, never, never works. The creation can never, ever give you what the Creator alone can. Remember that, church. It makes no sense at all to desperately look for what you already have been given by your Savior, but we continually search. All the good and glorious created things that God puts into our lives, like our families and our spouses and our jobs and the things that we have, all those things are, are, are he's designed and placed there to point us to him, to point us to the only place where life can actually be found, and that is him. All created things are signs that point, point us to what can be found only in him. Just like if you're driving on a trip and you see a sign, the sign is not the destination, is it? It just points the direction where it is. And that's everything we have. A wonderful church points to Jesus. A precious spouse, the scriptures talk about uh, loving your wife as Christ loved the church. It's all pointing to him. It's all pointing to him. Creation points us to the creator, but can never give us what the creator can give. We have to stop searching for it. All the good situations and locations and possessions and relationships and achievements and, and natural beauties of this world are wonderful blessings from God, but they have no ability to give you the one thing that your heart desperately desires, and that is life. No created thing can give you what you desperately want and need, and that is life. But Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He ended our need to search with those words. He is life, so there is no need to look for it anywhere else. That's what he said to these people. Right after he gave life to this woman caught in sin and said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. He turned and looked at the people and said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. And you'll have the light that leads to life. And he's saying that to you this morning. Don't you want that light? Don't you want that life? You're not constantly stretching yourself and trying so hard to achieve that and to, to have that peace. You'll never find it. You need Jesus. I need Jesus every day, every moment, in every situation. You can try and you can try and you can try, but it will never work. I spent many years, I spent many years, even in ministry, before the Lord ever led us out here, I spent many years deep in insecurity and deep in, in always trying to measure up. And no one really knew it except for me and God and the enemy because he really 
man, he would throw so many things at me and I just, I was trying so hard to be what I thought everybody else wanted me to be. But on the inside, I was broken. I was, I was buried in addictions. And nobody knew about it and I was so miserable. But I could stand up and I could preach and I could sing and I'd lead singing for all these hundreds and, and of teenagers at these youth conferences in the Midwest. And I just, man, it would make me feel so good in those moments. And then when I came off the stage and I laid in my bed at night, I was just unhappy and miserable and seeking. Saying, why, why do I feel so empty? Because I was, I was looking for life in all the wrong places. And I was serving the Lord. I was in ministry, but not dependent on Jesus Christ. Not dependent on his grace. I was dependent on my delusion of self-righteousness and on my talents and abilities, and I'll tell you, it led nowhere. Oh, there'd be flashes of, of happiness, this surface happiness, feeling good about myself until I didn't. Until I fell into sin. Until I followed an addiction and then felt miserable again. And it wasn't until the Lord just turned me upside down and broke me open for everybody to see what a mess I really was. I thought that was going to destroy my life. I thought that would destroy everything. But in turn, no, God took my brokenness and showed it to, to those who needed to see it. And he used that painful grace to change my life forever. And I finally realized, wow, wow, Donald, You've been searching for so long and it was right in front of your stinking face the whole time. He is the light of the world. And when that light shines on your darkness, oh, it dispels it. It destroys it. And you can walk in freedom in this life. He's the light of the world. Follow him. You won't walk in darkness. You'll have that light. And that light is the only light that will lead to life. Our heads are bowed. No one's looking around. Maybe this morning that's you. Maybe, maybe this morning you are that person that is seeking for life in all the wrong places. Maybe you know that this goes beyond just looking for peace and joy right now. You're that person that you know that if, if today your life ended, you don't know where you would go. You don't know what would happen. If you die today, you say, I, don't, I, I think I'd go to heaven. I hope I'd go to heaven. Listen, that's not enough, is it? <laughs> you don't want a maybe. Jesus said, and the scriptures say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can I remind you? He sees you. He knows the real you that nobody else knows, and yet he loves you. And yet he cares about you, and he wants you for his own. You say, but I'm broken. I'm messed up. I have so much baggage. Oh, that's the people. Those are the people he loves. He loves you and he wants to change your life. He wants to secure your eternity. Maybe that's you this morning. Say, you know, I've never given my heart to Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, the scriptures say, yes, we're all sinners. We deserve hell. But he loved us enough to die on a cross for us and take your sins upon himself, took the punishment for your sins upon himself died and rose again. And because of the power of his resurrection, because of what Jesus did, the Son of God who was God, you can have an eternal home in a real place called heaven. You don't have to walk through this life in darkness. You don't have to spend eternity in an awful place. No, you can spend forever in heaven when you die. If you trust Christ this morning. 
And you can, in your seat right now, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking around, but, but maybe that's you. You say, man, I, I want to give my heart to Christ. You can, in your seat, pray a prayer just like this. You can say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong. I know I have a lot of baggage, but you loved me enough to die for me. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to come into my heart and save me. I'm trusting you with my life. I'm giving my life to you. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.